0: Hello, adulting well listeners. This is Pepper, aka Joshua, aka Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So, we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor. And what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show. So, you can see you know, how many downloads you get and things like that. But it, it also lets you engage with the audience uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So, for instance, we can have polls. We can ask listeners to uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that, and we can uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just, uh, that's just one example, but there are just a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with you now that we're using Anchor. So, uh this is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you. And I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, and if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. I'm, so fired up. Yeah, I'm now fired up, and I just want to know even before Kevin does the intro. How did you end up going to punk shows at 15 at Whiskey A (laughs) Go-Go?
2: Well, I have a a big brother, an older brother. So that's the answer. Tagging along with my older brother. That's always the answer. And we, you know, we, we had good friends, uh, that he went to high school with that started the germ the band the germs uh, oh my gosh so oh i went to high school with them
0: so oh the germs yeah see kevin's gonna yeah. get so mad at me because i'm just like jumping into it i should <laughs> you're like you're jumping
2: the gun dude you're well, jumping the gun hey where are you guys
1: so i'm actually in new york this week because i okay. had a like an emergency trip to see i i own a company that does like branded materials for large companies and um we had a little vendor issue um Mm because we try to get as much stuff made in the u.s as we can um so i needed to come out here and get something straight straightened up which is nice because i get to stay on the lower east side for a few days and see family because my mom's family is from back here so i'm going to go visit some people tonight um and Joshua, where are you pepper
0: where are you joshua oakland california Okay. Oakland California
1: so okay.
2: so so how come eight a.m was the right time of day no I'm just kidding I'm always up but
0: <laughs> because we have jobs
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i have a job so it's fine i just the, the impression i got was that you guys were in europe or something that's no me. this no. is the
0: first time we've ever done a show this early yeah this is okay. it's it's, ele- okay.
1: it's a it's 11 for me right now so i'm good with this
2: yeah yeah, yeah you're fine I, i'm fine too i just okay. wondered because um i like to know where people are anyway okay we're
1: yeah. ready to go
0: yep we're all so, early birds here on the yep. on the adulting well podcast Yeah, that's
1: right we adult so uh i'll just start welcome to the adulting well podcast my name is kevin and i am your co-host and i am joined as always by my co-host pepper hi (laughs) and today on the show we are welcoming you know i mean really she needs no introduction in the punk scene but uh legendary bass player and just fantastic musician Kira, and we are so excited to have you. I'm so glad that your team reached out to us.
0: A uh, dialogue um, editor on Mad Max, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, I've
2: been a dialogue editor many years now. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me, you guys. I'm excited to be here. Of the title, Adulting Well, because after all, that's all—that's what we never wanted to do, right?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I, you know, I just, I mean, I know people are going to want to hear about your history and but there's been a lot of interviews about that. I actually listened to the track that your team sent me, and I want to talk a little bit about this new record because, I mean, it's it's definitely something new as far as sound for you, it, it seems like. I'm, I would assume because it, you're playing it so fluidly and flawlessly on the track that I heard that you've been working on this for a while, and it's probably a sound you've developed, but... I mean it's really interesting stuff and you it sounds like you're doing some multi-instrumental stuff on on this recording as well. So um let's start with the current stuff and then we can you know we can do some history and and get you know fanboy giddy about about some of your previous work that we're all very aware of. But let's let's hear a little bit about oh, how this new record um, developed.
2: So um in terms of the sound of the record um I've actually been working on um uh, on two bass music and and very sparse music for a long time working with Mike Watt and DOS, um which is a band we've been doing for many years so so the the sparseness and the two bass you know a lot of the songs are two bass um driven is not uh anything new and I it's sang not. some in Dose too
0: I've never heard of that
2: well, um, maybe you should have done some research yeah. because Dose has been around for 35 years and, um, and it's two bass players going the hell at it. Yeah. Uh, so cool. anyways, uh so but this record uh, no I am not responsible for the multi instrumentation. There are some amazing contributors on the record. Um the general way I operate, and actually I've been doing this for many years is that I work in my room and and write songs and express myself and and um and you know try to get to the ugly inner emotions that need to be expressed. And then, um, and I usually lay down a bass or two and my voice. And then I actually have been doing sort of a virtual band type setup for a long time where I send songs to this amazing guitar player, Glenn Brown in Ohio, who does some really delicate work on this record. A, a drummer who somehow manages to be super delicate, Dave Bach. Um, in a, you know, if you, I can't even imagine how he does this, because the music is so um, delicate, but he he drums without, you know, bum rushing the whole show. (laughs) And then, of course, my brother, Paul, who um, always adds little tasty elements as well and helps me bring songs to fruition. So this process of doing songs like this has been going on for quite some time. There's still a list of 20 songs I've got in the works, this has just always been happening. But he asked me, um, being that he's involved in Kitten Robot Records, he asked me, he said they, they wanted to put out a solo record and I had never really planned to put out a, a record, but I'm 60 this year and it just was like, hey, yeah, maybe this is a good year to, to put out my first solo record.
1: Awesome. Well, I, and that's interesting that you've been doing this so long and this is the first time you're doing a solo record. Um, you know, cause you're, I mean, your, your catalog is vast. You've got, you're on a lot of recordings and I will say too, along with you and you you know, you have a very unique and, and honed style on the bass. Mike Watt is by far one of my favorite bass players. I've had the great fortune of meeting him briefly outside of a few shows when he was playing in Firehose. Uh, and he's just a hell of a nice guy too. So, you know, I mean, I think the, the combination of, of those things like having that kind of like what feels to me like that you know that punk community et- ethic along with it is always nice with artists because you know it kind of breaks down the barrier between the stage and the and the audience and um you know he's always he's always been very approachable and just judging by the first few minutes of this interview i would i'm guessing that you're very much that way too um, so how long did it take you to I'm kind actually
2: of... extremely antisocial <laughs> <laughs> But I do okay one on one you yeah, know yeah. like this, but uh, but in group settings, have never been that comfortable for me, but hey. interesting
0: <laughs> that so, seems pretty common with people that kind of go into their workshop and make stuff and then come out and show it to people and then go back in their workshop,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah well, so so, so how long,
2: okay, you were gonna ask a question I'm well, I just be-
1: want like you, you so you developed this record and you have obviously it's been an interesting time, you know, let's maybe talk a little bit about if there has been any difference in your process given the fact that you can't be in person with people and many people and if it's allowed you to kind of expand your horizons in terms of who you're working with
2: um actually this uh record tells a story um and it's chronological and the first song was done 13 years ago so um the the pandemic really didn't change my process much i i have been doing this virtual thing for for many many years we, the main reason probably i mean it started out this way is you know i work a straight job i adult well yeah. actually yeah. so so i um so the time that I'm productive, if you will, in, in music is often like 6.30 in the morning. Well, no one wants to play with me then. So right. that's when I uh, do my work. And then by sending it to other people, they can work at their convenience and they can do their adulting, you know? So so um, the pandemic really didn't affect the process or the or the instrumentation or anything. I actually took on a project during the lockdown when things were really quiet um producing a record and uh of for Glenn Brown, this this guitarist, um, which we put out on Bandcamp, Bandcamp just recently. And I just took that on to learn to 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 mix and master uh it's a set of rock songs that I had played the bass on and I just uh needed a project. <laughs> so um so that's something I just took on uh to amuse myself. But again, this this process of developing the songs like the the are on this solo record has just been the way I do things and it's been going on forever and it will go on for many more years whether any more records come out
0: so when you say chronological it kind of makes me think that you know back in the 50s there was kind of a singles attitude when it came to music and then we kind of got into this album era and when you talk about a chronological thing it makes me want to think of it as one complete piece and and not something that you would listen to out of order or in singles and i really like the idea of an album you know yeah. with a whole journey the last song is the end of the journey that's very impressive
2: yes. yeah i mean the last song we were finishing up um this year and it's definitely expressing m- much more current um feelings about what the story is about and and and, and yeah i mean it's it's not even so much that the that the story hangs together like an, an opera it's just a bunch of snippets in time many of which relate to the same subject but of course over time things change so you so change. it's a story of love and loss and um and it and it so it starts more in the you know, love uh, arena and and, and goes through this very painful loss and, and the aftermath uh, thereof. So, um, so yeah, it felt like it hung together as as a set of songs.
0: Well, and that's also incredibly... Did relatable. you find that so you must have changed a lot? Yeah, and you must have changed a lot over that time. So I'm guessing that when you look at the beginning of the album, you're going, whoa, I don't know if I can even relate... <laughs> to that person exactly right
2: well i certainly can't sing uh the way i say it. you know your voice right. Look, age is 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 part of the process right so so there's physical changes that occur even more than than maybe emotional you know at, at my age it may not be as much the emotional things that have changed in the last 13 years but but physically i've changed and, and circumstantially yes you know, so i've changed so um so, uh, yeah, and I, and I like the idea of tying together a set of moments um, and each one of them, I can sort of, I can go to that place and that emotion and that moment in time, if you will.
1: Yeah. Well, so talk, talk about that a little bit. Like what, how does it feel to sort of have the project complete and now being released after all these years of working on it?
2: Well, like I said, I never intended to uh release it It's actually uh officially releasing october nineteenth um so it's been this um i don't know it's it's strange because since I never intended to release it it's it's been It's been interesting going through the process of trying to, you know, generate some some interest in this very weird music. You know, I remember sitting down with the record label and saying, um, so you guys know this is really weird music and it's not going to sell a lot of records. Right. Like, you know, this. (laughs) let's just be clear, you know, because I mean anyway they were kind enough to do it and
0: um what does promotion look like like i haven't been in bands since we put flyers on walls and all this stuff so i don't know like what even promotion looks. So like.
2: i've been doing a lot of press i've been doing a lot of interviews i did a, i did photo shoots if you can imagine you know i did that kind of stuff um, but it's mostly been, you know, doing press, and there's publicists involved, and, and you know, never had such a thing really. I mean, uh, although I, I think there was a, a publicist involved with those for a little while, but but the, I always had a band, you know, a compadre, a, another, you know, other people doing some of the the stuff, the designing of the the video or the or the um, the. You know, album cover or whatever. This is just all had to be me. So, you know, constant sort of questions and decisions and (laughs) trying to be visually creative when I I have no such talent. I am an audio person (laughs) for
0: what the album art and stuff like that.
2: And the video, uh, the video that's out, uh, video, the ghosts. Oh, you got to check it out. Uh, this director did a beautiful job and, um, and the song you heard is, uh, the ghosts probably is the, the, um, video. And, um, and of course what happens is it's just like a song you get, An idea or an emotion or a a, a sort of sense of what you're trying to do a concept, and then it takes on a life of its own and the end result is nothing like what you planned, (laughs) but it's somehow beautiful, you know so so yeah check out the video.
0: I think Tom Waits, I heard him describe it as uh, your idea is like, if you have your hands full of water and you're trying to carry that water over to a bucket and like you try to hold as much as you can without losing it before it gets, but it's
2: raining. So there are, you know, there is, you know, stuff coming in. It's yeah, it's,
1: it's crazy. Amazing. So you, you worked with Mike Watt on, well, I mean, you two were married at one point, but you worked with Mike Watt on dose for many, many years what was it like to work with another bass player? I mean, how how was it, how did it like improve your playing, improve his playing? Like, I mean, you both have pretty unique styles and also bring a whole set of skills to the table that, you know, that are pretty, you know, like- I'm so
2: sorry, you're uh, cutting in and out a bit, dude.
1: Hold on. Joshua, go ahead and ask ask another question. I'm Kevin, can you stop you your video?
2: Okay, I'm sorry. Your question yeah. was not coming across.
1: You're going to have to start over, buddy. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yep. Okay, great. What was it like working with Mike Watt for all those years? I mean, you two were married for a time and, and for a long time, and and you you worked on Dose for, what did you say, 35 years? Um, yes. I mean, working with another bass player, how was that, you know, obviously, and you're both very unique musicians with incredibly, you know, uh, amazing style and playing ability that you've honed over the years. How was it playing with a bass player versus like guitar and drums?
2: Um well, uh, we actually, we did this project called Minute Flag way back in the days when he was in the Minutemen and I was in Black Flag. And that was sort of the first time that he and I jammed in the same room. And and one of the things we discovered was that there was very little room for the two of us, much less room for anybody else. So when we um, when we first started playing together, it was right after... De Boone died, and I was actually afraid that Mike might quit the bass. So so my goal was really to just get him to play. And I had actually been doing some two bass music on these bedtime story tapes where I would uh, read a bedtime story for my nephews and then inter- record intertwining basses. And some of those became part of the early dose jams and even are on the first record. So there was... Um, there was a little bit of a precedent, but but when we talked about having a band, it was just clear that it just couldn't there couldn't be anything else there. Neither one of us feel like the bass is limiting or or, or a side or or supporting instrument necessarily. We knew they could be lead instruments, and we just needed the space to make it that way. So so what it was like though was it became very much an issue of the songwriting itself because the leaving the spaces, finding the spaces with the second baseline, this construction of the song becomes everything in a band like those. We don't want either one to be subjugated by the other. So it has to be this process of carving out and creating spaces for each other.
0: Did you do that together or did you do that kind of separately and then come together?
2: Um, usually the songwriter and and we each started with songs, um, you know, would write the first baseline. Uh, Um, a lot of my songs, I would write the second baseline as well. And a lot of his songs, I would write the second baseline, uh, with his input, you know, usually at a certain point, once we brought it together, there were adjustments made, but, um, so it really depended on how the song started. Uh, we also did a couple cover versions uh, of songs: Billie Holiday, Patsy Cline, Bessie Smith, um, and and he helped uh, interpret those. That was never a skill I had very well, so he was pretty instrumental in <clears throat> coming up with a way of of interpreting those songs.
0: Oh, that's interesting. It would be interesting to hear a cover album in that style. Actually, that's that's neat. Completely.
1: Yeah. So um I, I wanted to jump in on one other more current topic um pre the longer history, just around your 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 sound editing um career. Because I mean you've you've won a Grammy or a uh, an Emmy, I'm sorry, and um you've you've also been doing this a very long time. And what what drew you to that and got you into that world? Um I know people sort of in the entertainment world as well um, that aren't musicians. And it's, it's such a, you know, can be a really tough go, you know, it's a, it's a <laughs> high pressure <laughs> industry.
2: Yes. Well, um, so I was in the computer field, uh, out of college. I had studied, uh, computers in school and, and I was a computer programmer for the first uh, 11 years. What language
0: did period. you program in?
2: Um, Some some fourth generation languages like Focus Uh and uh, and but I was I was not a particularly accomplished uh, programmer. I moved into database design. Was really more uh, my cup of tea. But anyway and and I was quite good at, at uh, quality control and testing uh, software, so I, I specialized kind of in that arena.
0: Now we're talking my language.
2: <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so I was doing that and kind of miserable in the corporate world because you can imagine what it was like for me in the corporate world trying to fit into that um, very stiff environment being somewhat of a square peg in a round hole. And I uh, and my brother was actually composing music for a student film, which this guy, uh, Brian Franklin, was doing the uh, sound for. He went to USC film school and they had me come in and play some bass. And I uh, talked to the guy a bit about what he was doing. This, you know, sort of sound for film And it seemed like such a perfect thing. It combined computers and and audio, you know, it seemed like a a really good fit. So I basically twisted his arm to hire me to his very tiny company. And, you know, I said, I'll I'll work for eight bucks an hour and answer your phones and and run errands and and I'll learn a skill and and find a way to contribute. And so that's kind of what happened. And and then also uh, guys tend to like sound effects. They like explosions and guns and cars. And uh, so there was a little bit of a niche in the dialogue side, um, and that uh, made sense to me. Actually, in the industry at large, I'd say it skews a little female in the dialogue industry and uh, part of the industry, and, and the sound effects skews more male. I have two Emmys, actually. Um, and, uh, and I was part of a couple of teams that got some attention from, uh, the Academy, uh, team that won the Academy award for, uh, sound editing, a uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And I was nominated with the team on, uh, Joker recently.
0: That was, are there movies that you can really distinguish the dialogue in yes. <laughs> Because some movies I've found lately? It is really hard to hear the the dialogue and I feel like the explosions kind of take over everything.
2: Well, you know, to be fair, um, the as you can imagine, the people in charge aren't necessarily the sound editors. You know, so uh, they're not. Res- none of us are responsible for whether or not you're going to actually hear it. The director will make decisions about how loud the music will be or the sound effects will be. So, so sometimes uh, that's a taste thing. Also, if you watch movies not in the theater um, you're kind of, they're designed to play in the theater, right? You've got a center speaker for the dialogue and you have the music and sound effects split off. So when you try to listen to them in a different environment, it can, it can sound a little bit more muddled than actually it sounded like when we mixed the movie.
0: Oh, so that's the same problem. Like when you record an album and you're in the studio and it sounds great. And then your friend listens to it on their, in their car and it sounds terrible.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Bass is very much affected by the engine of the car.
1: Interesting. I mean, I, I just think it's so amazing when, you know, people that um, have such an, uh, I mean, you were a huge, you were part of a very seminal, you know, moment in time uh, for the punk scene in, especially in Los Angeles and you have this like also this amazing career i mean you, you know and and you know and have received accolades from your peers for what you're doing is in your career now as well i mean also i want to just point out you know the one of the more interesting things to me and hopefully to our listeners is the fact that you were a woman in that very male dominated punk scene in Los Angeles at that time. And you're a woman working in an industry and maybe the, the specific part of the industry you're in is has a lot of women in it, but it's a very male dominated industry as well in in most ways. And, you know, you've sort of been, uh, you know, you've been kind of a, a pioneer in, 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 in these, in these areas. And I think there's other women in the punk scene from early on that have gotten because they were lead singers or, you know, I've gotten a lot of the the credit, but you were touring with a group of men, um, you know, very at a very young age, um, you know, playing bass for a band that was even then very well known and, and, you know, selling out shows in all over the country and, you know, has become really one of the most legendary hardcore bands in the history of the genre. I mean, you know, without a doubt, I mean, how many, how many hundreds and hundreds of people have I seen at shows over the years with black flag bars tattooed on them, you know, and so I, I just want to, you know, I want to take a pause here and just like, also thank you for being a pioneer for women in the punk scene, um, you know, and, and maybe talk a little bit about what it was like to be in a van full of dudes, you know, uh, as a young woman, um, you know, not to jump subjects <clears throat> sure. too much, but it's, it, it is an interesting part of your history
2: um so the truth is that the early punk days in hollywood you know women were very well represented and and i was actually always fascinated that there were women that that weren't even in bands that were quite kind of famous they were on the covers of you know the the fanzines and stuff because they were defining this look right they were the ones you know who who looked all you know the makeup and the hair and i mean they were defining something that uh that hadn't come before. I mean, I was a tomboy. I didn't know how to do makeup. And uh, and hanging around with the guys made sense. I had been tagging along behind my uh, brother, Paul, my whole life, you know, just just sort of following him wherever he went. So, so the playing in bands with boys made total sense to me. I like playing football with boys as a kid too. Um, but... I mean, I, I think I once <clears throat> I know I only once uh tried to have an all girl band and um and it didn't really work for me. And I felt a little bit like girls were different in the sense of how they approached being in bands. <clears throat> you guys have a tendency to treat it sort of somewhat professionally. You know, you go, you practice, is it's just what you do, and and uh and there isn't a lot of, you know, complaining or, you know, I don't feel well or whatever. Um, so, um, so it came kind of naturally to 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 play in bands with boys. I didn't think much about it, and Black Flag was my favorite band when I joined them, so so that also, and I did know uh, I knew them, I knew their approach I knew how how uh hard they toured and everything, so I was not surprised by what I was getting myself into um but but you should know that <laughs> at that time um. It was still a very small scene in the sense that um, people didn't know who Black Flag was in the in the world at large. You know, it's it, the times have changed so much in that way that people might have actually heard of it. The truth is that that it was all very underground, and and at, and even the big bands, quote unquote, were were starving. And we're, um, you know, touring in vans and sleeping on people's floors and not making a lot of money. So so it's a strange time now that we look back and and it's like Black Flag is this big thing, you know, Um, influential, perhaps, you know, and and and. And a lot of the bands, I think, I think a lot of the reason that punk rock became known is because of bands like Nirvana and and the Chili Peppers. And they would talk about their influences being like the punk scene and, and, and these early bands. And they, they pointed in a direction that people started looking at um, because I never expected anybody to care personally.
0: Yeah. Um, So there's a trend on this show and I, Feel like we've, we're repeating it here which is that you are very uh dyi in how you learned how to do almost everything you do right like you didn't go to school to be an audio mixer for instance
2: no i i studied computers in school i um i had a bass teacher when i was 15 and 16 who was a jazz teacher actually um but yeah it's somewhat true that
0: Yet, um well you were saying earlier like like with the with the audio mixing you just like barged in and were like hey teach me how to do this
2: <laughs> well yeah I mean it was it felt like the right kind of work for me um but I didn't really know uh, about that I mean music I studied since I was six on piano so so music just felt like you know sort of a part of me um Work-wise, it's a little different. You have to learn a skill, and and tr- truth is, most of us don't learn our skills at school. <laughs> you know, school's more of an endurance test, and then you know you go out in the real world, and you have to learn real stuff about whether it's business or or programming or whatever. You know, I don't le- learn much of any of that in school. Probably the most important class I took was a, a basic accounting class. <laughs> you know, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's true that that punk rock was a very uh, DIY kind of thing and, and nobody was showing us what to do or how to do it. And um, and it has been sort of my approach to see openings and jump through them, whether or not I know what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think like I've I've learned my trade. I'm out here, you know, dealing with a mass order by just doing it and you know I, I like i i i wonder like I, well i do, i actually i give a lot of credit to punk rock i you know to for what i know i mean i feel like i learned everything i needed to know about my job booking shows putting on shows playing in bands touring you know dealing with merchandise dealing with uh record labels etc and you know it it's just it's so interesting that i can extrapolate all of that into like a merchandise business now that you know we you know and it's over the years, we've grown into a, one with a global reach, which is incredible, but it's also, you know, it's kind of crazy to take it back to that is my point of learning. And, you know, I think one of the things that it instilled in me, and it sounds like in many ways it did in you too, was this like kind of tenacity and like, yeah, I can learn that. I'll, <laughs> we'll just do it ourselves, you know, and if I can't do it, my buddy over here can do it, you know, and, you know, I, I just think it's such a, it, you know, that's one of the things we try to talk about on the show a lot because it's, it it really is, it's like, it's such a unique part of this culture the people well, I think sort of... we
2: all, we all have this a uh, different path right uh, yeah. i mean my mine my parents uh, weren't here when i when I was fifteen. my mom moved away she she didn't abandon me, she wanted me to go too i didn't want to i I stayed with my brother who who was old enough, and I promised to to finish school and be a good girl. So, so for me, some of it, the self-motivation was just to um, finish a commitment that I made and make sure I didn't get, you know, dragged off to, to Nowhereville, Florida. Um, because that's not what I wanted. I was in L.A. and I wanted to, to play music. But so I think some of it is just our upbringing and how, how our, we learn to, to pull ourselves up By our bootstraps. Some people have parents who are a little more involved in investing and maybe they go a little slower, but, but the end result is generally at some point you, you have to start figuring (laughs) your life out. Right.
1: Yeah. Agreed. I mean, it's, you know, I, I still begrudge having to (laughs) to work a nine to five and, but you know, it's, I, you know, it's also built an incredible life for me, no doubt about it. Like I, I kind of have the freedom to do what I want and you know, I think a lot. A lot of people, you know, especially here in in this culture, we take that for granted. But um, I, I'm I'm really interested to see too. Do you do you have you know talking about touring and bringing it back to the more present day? Are you going to play any live shows with this record, or are you gonna? Is it just going to be this project that gets out for everybody to hear?
2: I'm definitely not going on tour. Yeah. <laughs> Um <laughs> we understand I, look, I, I don't know. I would love to find a way to um to perform and, and play. I mean, I loved playing live, um, but I haven't figured out exactly what that's gonna look like yet. Um and you know, when you're adulting, you have a lot of different responsibilities pulling on you and and you just have to do the best you can in terms of figuring out solutions to life's problems you know and 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 so yeah i want to find a way to to do something live but i also uh have some some obstacles in the way so so I'm, i'm gonna figure that out and i'll keep you posted
1: excellent i mean yeah and do keep us posted what um what are there any projects that you can talk about in your um, editing life right now, or is there anything coming out soon that's wrapped that you can mention so we can give you a plug on those as well?
2: Um, I have not been doing uh, any real big movies lately. I actually, one of the ones lately that's been streaming is Cinderella. Uh, The new Cinderella, I worked on that, Uh, but I haven't worked on any really juicy projects. Um, I worked on those who wish me dead um, which was oh, cool. an Angelina Jolie project, and uh, I, I'm, and I seem to be on a little bit of a vampire movie trend. <laughs> so, so look, uh, you know the the funny thing about this career is, that I've learned is I can do great work regardless of the content, you know, I have somewhat of a separation. In other words, I don't, a movie doesn't have to do well for me to do good work and for me to be successful. So I just concentrate on doing good technical work. And, and I'm not that invested necessarily in the success of the project. It's nice when there's recognition and, and success, but that's actually Few and far between, you know, you, there's a lot of projects and not a lot of them get, you know, big time attention.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, you know, I think that's the, the interesting thing about artists too, is that, you know, having that pride in your work, regardless of whether it's successful or not is, is, you know, it's a huge component of sort of what I've noticed is the artist's brain. I mean, you know, I've got plenty of friends that do visual art that don't necessarily get gallery shows, but they absolutely love what they're doing. And when they complete a, a project, they're just so pleased, not so much that they're like, oh, I love my own work, but it's just like, it's very satisfying, you know, to have this like completed project done.
2: Yeah, yeah, you very much have to find um, joy in your creations, uh, whatever the net result was. I mean, part of why I always separated music from my, you know, how I earned a living was so that I could make the music that I wanted to make. And I I wasn't trying to rely on that as a mode of supporting myself. It means that there's less time for it, of course, but it... uh, But it also means I get to do whatever I want.
1: Some of my that's like my favorite philosophy. I do what I want. (laughs) Yeah, really. Um, So you know, again, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like we need to cover stuff that's been covered in a ton of other interviews. But um, I do have one question about the Black Flag experience because I am just an amazingly huge fan of Bill Stevenson. Um, I'm a drummer. And I just find his, you know, not only is his drumming just, I mean, it's otherworldly, but I mean, is he uh, like, is interesting a guy as he comes across in like the films and interviews with him? I mean, he seems like such a complex character, but also like when you watch him play live, he clearly loves being behind that drum kit.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bill's amazing. I, I don't. I would not have survived my time in Black Flag without um, his. Well, his power, which helped hold me up physically, you know, in terms of the the difficulty of getting from from zero to sixty in in, in terms of the physical style of play, but also just personally, he was someone who who kind of was willing to to share with me as we were figuring out the the sort of emotional challenges of of um giving that much energy and time into something you know and, and so he helped me you know understand and explain things to me and 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 he just had a very focused approach but it was a very personable Uh, teamwork you know it's it's weird bands are like marriages of multiple people right so so you have to kind of all be on the same wavelength to make it work for a while and he was very much a part of how I got on the right wavelength and was and could understand what was expected and and what was needed and and how to get there um so he was pivotal in in everything in the early days of me, you know, just getting uh, wound up to, you know, form.
0: You mean to to have, to be energetically like black flag?
2: (laughs) Physically, uh, you know, I mean, just a a physical instrument and so is drums. And so in that way we had that, that um, challenge to meet together. And he, he was the, the teammate in creating a rhythm section that could be that powerful. Like, like, I don't think that, I mean, I'll give you an example. Okay. So, so black flag practiced about five hours a day, Uh, about two hours in, Henry would no longer be able to go. Not five hours uh, later, me and Bill would drop and Greg could just jam with some other people and go for 10 hours, you know? So, so guitar isn't, as physical and, and, um and, and he couldn't necessarily identify with the same struggles that, that we had. And, and Norco Henry, who, who, you know, you can't really build up your voice, you know, but, but for us, there's this physical just building up to it and, and holding it up like a foundation. And, um and that created this, you know, camaraderie that, um, that was just like i said so important to to getting to getting going in that uh and that and 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 also personality wise i think we had uh we had a little more in common and had a little softer side than uh, henry's very much a, a loner and um And wasn't I mean there was never fighting or or unpleasantness but but we you know he would keep to himself and and Greg was a little bit more to himself and and Bill and I were a little bit more um, compadres in the adventure.
1: Yeah, that's I mean that I you know again as a drummer like I just appreciate all of what you just said I you know I find my relationships with with the bass players that I played with to be you know like one of them that I haven't played with in in almost 25 years is still one of my very best friends you know and um we he comes to my house for my birthday and we hang out and it's just like when you build those kinds of relationships it is like a family i mean it really is and and you know i i never toured really even close to that level but a lot of the guys that i played with especially bass players are still i'm still super tight with and it's it's a it's just an amazing relationship you know, that we get to have with people in this artistry. And, you know, and, you know, I, I, I it's just nice to hear, basically, it kind of like, that's our, I get that a lot of times during the show, I get that warm your heart moment. And I'm just like, you know, it's just like, just like, let's just tear down all the bullshit and just like, talk about the relationships we get to have. And because that's what any, any art is really, to me, is how you're relating to your community, how you're relating to yourself, what you're putting out there, as far as like, you you know, your perspective on whatever's going on. And that may come out as sound. uh, It may come out as lyrics, it may come out as visual arts, it may come out as, you know, slight um, nuances in editing, you know, but it's, it's all, you know, really comes all comes back to that community and that relationship. And, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just nice to hear I get a little like I get that well, it's,
2: one. Point. It's it's chemistry in a te- in like a sports team or or a band, right? There's this there's this chemistry that happens between the members, however many there are, and uh, and sometimes that chemistry breaks down, and that's why bands can't survive it. But um, other times, it, uh, as you say, it becomes something somewhat unexplainable. It just works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, so what's your plan as far as like any other new music? Are you still, I I would assume you're writing by the way that you're talking, that you're just constantly working on stuff in your, in your home studio and just in your room and kind of making things happen. But are you, are you going to, are you going to work on anything new? That's because it sounds like this current record is pretty, pretty much a theme uh, and it runs over a period of time. Um, Is there any new concepts floating around in your, in, in your, in your head right now?
2: Um. And there's always a set of songs as to whether they, you know, they don't necessarily, it's funny. You know, you can't hang things together until they start to make sense. It uh, takes somewhat after the fact to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I have, I have music in the works always. I have, uh, I have a project I do with another bass player, Devin Hoff called awkward that uh, we're, we're trying we have a ep up on Bandcamp, and we're trying to um do more of that work but he's remote and and busy and (laughs) so it doesn't always happen in the timely fashion but um but he and i uh definitely have plans to do more and uh and, you know, like I said, uh, the music will be happening. I just don't know, you know, in terms of what will be shared with the world. That's just not, uh, it can't necessarily be planned yeah. the same way that, you know, songwriting can just be, you know, pushed along. That kind of stuff, openings happen and you jump through them. And and so I don't know what's going to happen that way.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Well, I, I I'm... We're we're running up on, on our normal time right now. So I just want to also honor people's schedules. Um, Usually we try to get about 45 minutes in. We build that buffer in case there's some closing comments. Um, Joshua, did you have any other, any other questions for Kara before we go?
0: Just that it has been a real pleasure to talk to you. And I think you kind of embody everything we're kind of looking for, which is just someone that is exploring life and figuring out as they go and Every step along the way, at every age, it's a new thing, right? It's a new challenge. And I really love the way you kind of just jumped into things. And uh, I really appreciate you, to- you both of you talking about the relationship between the bass player and the drummer, because as like the guitar singer in bands, I am kind of separate. I was kind of separate from that and doing my own thing a lot. And I didn't really think about that, but that's very touching. Yeah.
1: It is. It is. But I mean, I will say I'm, I've been kind of trying to keep myself in check throughout this interview. Like I, you know, Black Flag was one of those bands when I was I spent a couple of years in high school in the late 80s in outside of Detroit. Um, and I I got there right after that last Greystone show. And all my friends, all my punk friends there were raving about Black Flag at the Greystone and um And, you know, I kind of missed that opportunity and, but they were a huge influence on me early on as a, as a, you know, a member in bands and just like, yeah, a bunch of kids from, you know, suburbia can get together and write songs and people will, you know, will, will listen and come see them play. And, you know, it just was, it's hugely impactful. And I don't think that that, um, Can't underestimate what, you know, what that, that kind of those years of the punk scene did for a lot of us. Cause I came in right behind you and, and just, it really is like so amazing to have you on the show. And, you know, I know a lot of people like to, you know, sort of like throw dirt on others and it's just been nice to not hear any of that. Just like the, the good memories along with the great stuff you're doing now. It's just like, that's really like Joshua said, what this show is all about is, you know, relationships and, and doing it as it comes, however life shows up is how we're going to deal with it. And it's just, I just really appreciate it, you know, and, and I know band dynamics can also get funky. So it's just nice to hear like nothing bad to say it's, this is just an experience (laughs) that we had, you know, it's amazing. So I I just want to thank you
2: we all are facing challenges all the time so it's pretty important to uh try to connect in any way you can and and those connections whether it's with people or or in my music you know it's is this idea of of just trying to express those feelings and maybe people will will connect to them and and in that way we're just a little more connected uh than we were before you know and 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 as you do you know get on in years i think that that becomes more important the connections and and the uh the feelings and sharing the feelings and 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 during punk rock it was hugely important that the the anger and the rage that was expressed was something that we needed at that time and and now i'm exploring you know love and pain and things like that Um, I mean, I think that that's what ties it all together. It still feels very punk rock to me. I'm not trying to be like yeah. anybody else. I'm completely nonconformist. And that's just um, the goal.
1: That's, that is the bottom line, right? I mean, that's as punk as you can get. I, I, I find less and less does the actual music, like the the genre or the sound matter to me as much as the sort of the feeling behind it and what the artist is trying to express. It's really allowed me to expand my musical taste over the years too and and also be open to whatever that artist that I love that did something totally different 20 years ago is doing now.
2: You know. Yeah. Because the reason yeah, I love yeah. them was
1: probably the feeling, you know.
2: Right. Feel the feelings, don't worry about the rules. There shouldn't be any. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. So, um well again, we really appreciate you coming on it's just you know it's it's a, r- a real honor and a privilege to have you on the show and i'm so glad your, your 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 whole uh your your team was so great about making this happen it you know i wouldn 't have thought to ask, and i 'm glad that they approached us because. I, you know you were definitely on my list yeah i have a i have a long list of people i want to talk to on the show and you're near the top of that and here we are so i i just you know like i said the the stuff you've done has re- it really had a huge impact on me from a very young age and so i just really really appreciate uh you you coming on and and taking the time to to talk about what you're doing now because it's Kevin you should mention important- that
0: that list is so funny because it's like kira was on the list but also like obama's on the list right like it's a very
2: (laughs) hey there's nothing wrong with dreams there's nothing wrong with goals at all and 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 i'm honored to be have been on on that list because you were um you were brainstorming and and but that's what we do right that's how we 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 set a course and we don't get attached to the outcome we just set the course yeah exactly Well, thanks for having me, you guys. It's been really good um, to do this.
0: Thank you Uh, so much. And thanks for listening, everybody.